Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast, where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And today, we're going to be doing the <laughs> weekly <laughs> recap. It's it's been like two weeks, week and a half. It's been like a couple weeks. It's been a couple. It's been a little while. It's been a little while. We've both been busy. That'll be our excuse. Yeah. College students, you know, life is busy. It's erratic. Always. But we're going to be going over the new commit. New, again, in quotation marks. Commit for the 2023 cycle, as well as going over men and women's basketball. But without any further delay, let's begin with football recruiting. As your Kansas State Wildcats get the first commit of the 2023 cycle, and it is someone that we have been watching for a a very long time, and that is Camden Beebe, the younger brother of current All-Big 12 left tackle, Cooper Beebe. And he's a three-star offensive lineman from the same city as Cooper Beebe. Surprise, surprise. KC Piper. And he is, many people have described him as a mauler, which when you're 6'3", 315 per your 24-7 page, yeah, you probably are. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he, he kind of has to be. He, he's very similar to Cooper. Um, his arms maybe aren't quite as long as Cooper, and that's maybe about it. He's definitely more an interior guy than someone that can be kicked out to tackle. Uh, and Cooper's only playing out there just out of necessity because he's still the, an all big 12 tackle. Yeah, like, like he, his natural position is the inside, but if you're an all big 12 tackle, you're playing on you're playing tackle. Sorry, and the BB he's a really nice pickup. Uh, just a couple days ago, 24 7 released their uh initial rankings uh, for the class of 2023 in the state of Kansas. BB in composite rankings comes in at fifth. He's a little bit lower, I believe, in the in-house 24-7 rankings. I think he's like seventh or something. Yeah, and it's a very deep class for Kansas this year. This is probably the best Kansas recruiting class in at least a decade. Yeah. From what I can tell, just going back and looking. It's been a while since there's been this much talent coming out of the state. Uh, Because, I mean, you have Avery Johnson, John Randall. Uh, Dylan Edwards, Jaden Ham up there at the top. And there's going to be a lot of guys that K-State's going to have their eyes on. Jaden well Bender. Here. Yeah, Bender, uh, Andre Davis, uh, Joe Otting is another one to keep your eyes on. Uh, but BB is the first one to pull the trigger here. This is something that's been kind of known, I think, for a while. Like I think it was pretty safe to assume that Cooper BB's brother was going to come here, especially with, how, with what a great experience Cooper's having uh, starting on the offensive line. But Camden, he's at a Piper High School in KC. He's a three-star. He's the 41st-ranked interior offensive lineman in the country, putting him at 529 nationally. Uh, His composite ranking is a .8577. His in-house ranking for 24-7 is an 86. I've not had as much opportunity as I would like to to watch a lot of film on him, but what little I have seen, the Mahler description that you used is apt, I would say, (laughs) to put it lightly. That's, big man. That's definitely his mo is to just bully people. <laughs> I mean, you ha- can we move him to the, can we move him to nose tackle? No, no, we're not. People are all he committed, and like twenty minutes later, there was a thread. Is like, can we move him to nose tackle? No, 
Get out Stop of it. We are, we are not moving every offensive line in the nose tackle. <laughs> so knock it off. <laughs> Please. But, yeah, BB, excellent interior offensive line recruit. There's going to be some guys to look for in the future uh, committing, hopefully, uh, in the offensive line realm. I'm really hoping that we land Joe Otting because uh, he'll be a tackle prospect. And you could argue that he's maybe even a little bit better and Cam and BB, although they do play different positions on the line, and Outing is a little taller, a little bit slimmer, fits the tackle uh, uh, build a little bit better. Mm-hmm. But Cam and BB is an excellent start to a recruiting class. You can't ask for a much better anchor, I think, for your class to help get guys on board, especially an in-state kid. So Yeah, absolutely. But, man, that just got me thinking about the 23 recruiting special. That we'll get yep. to do probably sometime in June. Yep. This am, time it won't be three hours. Yeah, it will not. I'm really looking forward to that. I'm imagining we'll have at least probably three or four total commits by then. Hopefully so. Yeah. And I've already been starting to watch some film on a few guys. I mean, we've seen plenty of Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards at this point. I mean, we we see their highlights during the season every single week. Yeah. I, I mean, every highlight for Dylan Edwards is just a long run where he's just better than everybody. Yeah. That's honestly the same thing for Avery Johnson, except he's just a different position. But, he's built different. <laughs> um, yeah. I've been watching a lot of Zane Flores' film mm-hmm. this week, the new QB we offered. I really like him. like him a lot. So. <laughs> Look to me for approval. I did. Last night. I did. It's like, is he good? I'm like, yeah, he's good. <laughs> Thank God. Because <laughs> yeah, I was watching him and I was getting excited. I was like, he looks really good. And I was like, well, hold on. Let me ask someone that like isn't stupid. <laughs> We're not stupid. And I asked Ace. And he's like, yeah, he's good. And I was like, oh. Oh. <laughs> so he's actually good. Ace didn't immediately start complaining. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't pigeon toe. He doesn't pigeon toe. At least not normally. So. Yeah. But yeah, that's like stuff we can get into in the future. Hopefully when he commits, if he does. Hope he does. We're just going to commit everyone in the country. Get Zane and Avery. Yeah. I mean, I'd allow it. Be in Zane. That would be in Zane. It'd be Avery, K-State fans' dream. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) But yeah, that's the first commit of the 2023 cycle. Now we can start talking about the weekly recap segments. We have four games for both the men and women's basketball team. We'll try not to spend more than like, you know, 10, 15 minutes on each because otherwise, um... (laughs) that'd be a lot. That'd be a lot. But the first game was the men's basketball game against Ole Miss, which is like the fifth time that we've declared this team dead because this was a horrible game this is the game that connor and i kind of both decided that going out of our way for the men's basketball team is just not worth it yeah (laughs) which is it sounds horribly harsh but it's kind of deserved yeah i mean I I have, like, very choppy memories of this game, primarily because we watched the... First half, it's so long. Yeah, we watched the first half, it's so long, so and it was 
it, or to the TV was at a very strange angle. But apparently, so was the yeah the, the camera angle. Yeah, I was I was watching. From. Yeah, I was watching the the on the TV. And I'm like, this is a really weird angle because we were sitting like really kind of far under it. So like the shots just like <laughs> just just kind of raining our necks. It just looked like the shots just kind of kept going up and then just kind of landed in the bucket or didn't. Like it was weird. And, and apparently it was just like an issue with the camera angle in general, kind of like Oklahoma State's arena, because they had a really strange camera angle there too. Yeah. But you know what? Good angle or bad angle, uh, still an awful game. Yeah. Honestly, I mean, I'm mean, dropping a game to, granted, not the worst team in the world, but this is an Ole Miss squad that we had no business losing to. I feel I think we matched up well with them. But I'll go ahead and get into stats here. This is once again. A uh, tragic tale of Nigel Pack and Mark Smith doing really well and literally nobody else doing well. Mark Smith had 20 points and 16 rebounds, which is just <laughs> hilarious. Uh, Mark went 16, with 6 of 14 from the field, 2 of 6 from 3, 6 of 7 from the free throw line. He uh, had 2 assists, 2 turnovers, 2 steals. Nigel had 18 points, 7 assists, 0 turnovers, 2 rebounds, 6 of 17 from the field, 6 of 13 from 3. Uh, after that, it gets pretty dire, I'm not going to lie. Marquise Noel, he has 5 points, 2 of 11 from the field, 1 of 6 from 3. And then, adds 2 rebounds, 4 assists, 2 turnovers, a steal, 4 fouls. Not a very good game for Noel. Mike McGurl had an awful game. He had two points, one of nine from the field, 0-4 from three, three rebounds, three fouls, two assists, no turnovers. I guess at least he didn't turn the ball over. But uh, <laughs> and Carlton Lingard, Carlton Lingard started with Davion Bradford was nursing an injury this game, and Casey Eziegu playing very poorly in this stretch. Although Carlton he only played 17 minutes, he had two points, two rebounds, three fouls, a block, and a steal. Lucas Supke, he had seven points, including a four-point play at the end of the first half, which came like, out of absolutely nowhere. Yep. <laughs> Went two of five from the field, same line from three. All of his shot attempts were from three. Made his free throw in that four-point play. And he had five rebounds, three fouls, and then a steal. Ish Masood, he had two points, and nobody else scored, including Casey Ziegu and Davion Bradford, who played 12 combined minutes, only two of those coming from Bradford. And the only statistics that they registered were a missed field goal attempt and three fouls from Casey Eziegu. So that's a combined in doing mental math, 29 minutes of action combined between Carl Tolingard, Casey Eziegu, and Davion Bradford. I guess we can, we can throw Ish Masood in there. You know, why not? I mean, I mean that takes it from, what, 29 to 44? Mm-hmm. Okay, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> and that makes them, what, two of seven from the field for four points. Like, like a million fouls. fouls. <laughs> Only one turnover somehow. But I think it's just because they weren't getting the ball. I mean, the point that I'm trying to make here is that the bigs are terrible. And they have they've been playing bad, I should say. I hope you guys are ready for that to be a theme. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's going to be a very common theme going forward in this episode. And here, just this is a game where you know you have one of those bigs, and like if you have one of those bigs have a serviceable performance, like eight points, six points, eight points, something like that, and like 
generally don't commit too many fouls and get a few rebounds here and there. You know, like you this is probably yeah, this is a winnable game. That and you can't have Marquise Noel and Mike McGrill go combine three of twenty from the field for seven points. So but yeah, it's a rough game for the Cats. They only had five turnovers in this game, which makes it ludicrous that they lose by eleven, sixty seven to fifty six. Especially yeah. to an old miss team that was losing or that was missing their uh, top scorer, but you know, Ole Miss had a solid enough shooting day. 45% from the field, 33% from three, 75% from the free throw line. This is literally the most like standard, hey, pretty good shooting day that you can have. <laughs> yeah. Cat shot 30% from the field, 30% from three, actually slightly higher from three, and then 87% the foul line. All in all, this is just a very, very, very bad day considering the opponent. And considering that you have Mark Smith go for 20 and 16 and Nigel drop another 18, seven assists and zero turnovers, and you lose by double digits. Yep. But the next game actually was considerably better because it was Kansas State versus Okie State in Bramlage Coliseum, a game that was very icy outside, but they allowed students in for free. And therefore, the student section really got packed, and no pun intended. And it was actually a really good environment. This was a game that Kansas State ended up winning 71-68 to off of, well, let's just call it what it is. Nigel Pack just absolutely refusing to lose this game and hitting a last-second three, which I, I was having flashbacks to the Marquette game where we just could not score. In that last that last possession right. and it was painful and then Nigel Pack hit a three and I'm like wait a minute <laughs> are we are we gonna win this game and then we won the game and I'm like all right cool sick pushing pack <laughs> yeah. yeah I wasn't able to make this game but Nigel Pack he finishes with 22 points uh to go with three rebounds two assists two turnovers and three steals when 9-17 from the field, 4-7 from 3. He was especially hot in the first half, as I recall. Yeah. And Because I don't think he missed a shot in the first half. No, he was going insane in the first yeah. half. But Nigel Pack, another excellent game in Wildcat uniform. Mark Smith, he also had another great game. Uh, another 20-point performance from him. He had 21 points, 9 rebounds, an assist, 3 turnovers, and a steal and 1 foul. So he was one rebound away from another double-double. Uh, yeah, the 7-12 from the field, 2-6 and 3, 5-6 in the free-throw line. So fairly efficient day from Mark Smith and really played well as the wingman to Nigel Pack, no pun intended. And then Marquise Noel, he scored more. He still wasn't the most efficient shooting, but honestly 4-11 of 11 isn't terrible. 2-5 uh, two from 3, 2-2 two two from the free-throw line. So he gets 12 points there, four rebounds, three assists, three turnovers, and two fouls. Mike McGurl, not an efficient shooter, but he did make up for another areas. He had six points, three of ten from the field, 0 of two from the three. But he had 10 rebounds, just one foul, four assists, no turnovers. So that, That's the performance yeah. you need from Mike. Yes. Uh, yeah, you'd love to see that performance. Uh, you, of course, you'd like him to maybe do a little bit better in shot selection, but... 10 rebounds, 4 assists, and no turnovers. Can't complain too much with that. Davion Bradford was back in the starting lineup. He had 5 points on 2 of 5 from the field. 3 rebounds, 3 fouls, 2 assists, 3 turnovers, a block, and a steal. 
all things considered, you could get much worse from from Davion. From Davion, in believe me, in a couple of games, you will see the much worse. Yep. And Lucas Supke, uh one or two from the field, made his lone three point attempt. The one, the random Lucas Supke three. Yep, it's a it's a tradition. It's a at tradition, this point. unlike any other. And he had a rebound and a turnover, finished with three points. Ishmael two points with a foul and an assist on one of four from the field, 0-2 from three. Then Carlton Lingard and Casey Eziagu each played four minutes. None of them, either of them, that is, had a field goal attempt, free throw attempt, or any points. Uh, Lingard had a steal, and Casey had a rebound, a foul, and a turnover. Very Casey-esque yeah, stat that, line there. That's an Eziagu stat line. Yep. And the Cats, they shoot 61% from the field in the first half, 54% from the three-point line, and 43% from the, 44% for the game, 39% from the three for the game, and 80% the free-throw line. That's because they were horrible shooting in the second half. 30, yeah. 31% from the field, 25% from the three. So that's a rough, rocky finish, but they are able to get to the foul line just enough, and Nigel Pack hits the... Big time three at the buzzer to put the Cats ahead in this one and win a very winnable game that they just about choked away after 22 points from Bryce Thompson, 18 from Rondell Walker. That I was very worried for a while when Keelan Boone, who was like a 25% free point shooter <laughs> coming into the game, hit like three straight threes. Yep. I was like, ah, oh, it's the patented horrible three point shooter goes off against K State game, which is every game. A tradition <laughs> unlike any other. But, also, I think they got teched, did they? Um, Someone got teched. Or there, was it this game? I think there was an intentional foul in this game. Oh, okay. I think there was multiple. Because there was that string of games, or I think there might have been one against, uh, or there, I think there may have been one at, like either at TCU or at Ole Miss, and then there was a couple, I think, in this game. It was like the most intentional fouls I had ever seen mm-hmm. like in such a short span of time, because I've literally seen like one other intentional foul in my life. <laughs> And there was like three in two games, yeah. which I thought was really strange. But, I mean, I don't know. Cats as a whole, they play an excellent first half, and they are able to survive a second-half surge from Oklahoma State, which, I mean, like, we should be able to do that. <laughs> like, I mean, you'd like to win by a little bit more, but, I mean, at, this, at, at that point in the I'm season, you, win. at that point in the season, you got to take anything you can get. Yeah. Because they weren't getting much, so no. <laughs> so yeah, they, they had to get a few favors from Oklahoma State down the stretch. But you know what? At the end of the day, a the dub, a, win. a dub is a dub, and you got to know how to value them when you have them. Absolutely. And then the next one was them deciding that they were going to revive themselves again for another game, because this team cannot find consistency in literally anything they do. But it was a victory against TCU, <laughs> 75-63. to 63. And this was a game that was going on at the exact same time as a women's game. And it was really, really interesting, to say the least. But both games were, yeah. actually. But this was, we were actually at the women's game, so we ended yeah. up just catching bits and pieces of this game. Yeah, especially because they didn't, like... <laughs> the controversy yeah. regarding ESPN+. Yeah, because Plus. it was on the ESPNU, and it wasn't streaming on the ESPN app. Which they lied. They were lying. It was strange. And then uh, 
the it was Northern Iowa Drake on ESPNU. <laughs> of all the games. Yeah, went into overtime, and the last 10 seconds lasted like 10 minutes, it felt like. So yep. nobody on earth, other than people in Fort Worth, were able to see uh, any of the KSATCU game. Which apparently there were a lot of people in Fort Worth. Yes, it was the second largest student crowd ever for TCU, which is interesting. Yeah, that's, that's number one. It was earlier this year. I forget who it was. Having a big year. They, yes. I mean, they are like having they they've been having a pretty solid year for TCU. Yeah, true. Because they don't they don't have a lot of basketball history, but they uh, yeah nobody was able to watch this game until like the eleven minute mark, and even then, like the stream was a little sketchy. Yeah, in, watching people in Brambridge in blue. Yeah. In, it was yeah. all blue. Yeah, the connection was rough. Uh, the color grading was horrible. Like, granted, <laughs> no one on Twitter was happy about this broadcast. No, yeah, it was pretty awful. Honestly, it would have been better if it was on ESPN Plus. Like, I'm not. Gonna yeah, lie. Would, which I never thought I would hear the day where either of us said that. No, but ESPN Plus, like they're they're here to stay. So, but the Cats win this game and they're able to fend off uh, some rallying by tcu in the second half to win a game on the road by double digits how about that clap man snaps snaps for 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 kansas state <laughs> winning a road game convincingly so good and for them the women team hasn't really done recently unfortunately you're right but we'll get into that we'll get into that <clears throat> but statistically this game nigel pack he plays 38 minutes so pretty much the whole game he logs 20 points on 7 to 10 from the field, 3 to 6 shooting, 3 or 4 from the free throw line, so lights out from the field for pack. 4 rebounds, 3 fouls, 3 assists, 2 turnovers, and 4 steals. Mark Smith has another great day. 16 points, 10 rebounds, 5 of 12 shooting, didn't make any threes, and 6 of 8 from the field or from the free throw line, that is. He had 4 fouls, 1 assist, 3 turnovers. Marquise Noel, another volume shooting day. He took the most shots on the team, only made five, went one of six from three, and went three of five from the free throw line. He had 14 points, but again, took a lot of shots to get there. Six rebounds, one foul, six assists, two three turnovers, and two steals. And Mike McGurl actually had a pretty all right day. He had 13 points, four of 10 from the field, three of five from three. Made both his free throws, three rebounds, three assists, a turnover, two steals. Rounding out the starting lineup, Stavion Bradford, who had four points on 2-2 shooting, one rebound, four fouls, two turnovers. So, not the best day from Davion. Uh, at least he didn't miss any shots, I guess. Yeah. Carlton Lingard, he plays 12 minutes, gets five points, two of three from the field, and made a free throw, one rebound, two fouls. Uh, Ish Masood made a three, had three rebounds, two fouls, one turnover, and a block. Casey's Yegu, he came in for six minutes, somehow got three fouls in six minutes, <laughs> and he also had a turnover. Wuss <laughs> gets time on the court, gets three fouls in six minutes, refuses to elaborate, and yeah. then leaves. Yeah. The fouls per minute for Casey is just out of control. <laughs> None of our... Yeah. We'll, and, that's a general yeah. that will stay for the yeah. end. And Lucas Supke comes in for four minutes, misses two threes, and does nothing else so used to elaborate <laughs> and leaves. Yeah. so you know outside of you know four players for the cats hitting double figures nobody has a good game honestly even then mike you know 
that he did miss a lot of shots. Marquise was really inefficient. Uh, but yeah, beyond those four guys in the backcourt, you know, it was a struggle bus. I mean, this is a team that, you know, Nigel Pack doesn't exist. It's worse than last year. <laughs> yeah. But, and that that's terrifying. Yep. And after the game, uh, Francisco Farabello, TCU, he said that Nigel Pack was, I think he said the, he was the best shooter in the Big 12 yeah. because it was misquoted originally as being the best player, which is not what he said. Nope. Yeah, he said that he thinks Nigel Pack is the best shooter, which I, I agree. Yeah. Like, I don't, I don't think he's the best player in the Big 12, but he, no. he's, he's pretty good shooting. But the Cats go 46% from the field, 33% from three, 75% from the free throw line. This is such a basic, hey, we had a pretty solid game stat line. I said it <laughs> earlier for another team, so I have to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> And then TCU, 59% on the free throw line is rough, especially on 22 attempts. Just under 40% from the field, 21% from three. I mean, I would be infuriated if I was a TCU fan, especially going <laughs> one of 14 in the second half from three. What so, do you mean you would be infuriated? We watch K-State games like this. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, it's, it's tough to see that happen, especially uh, that three-point percentage in the second half. And then also missing Mike Miles, their best player. You know, yeah, that makes for a, a game you really want back as a TCU fan. But just hey, can't have it back. It's ours. Nope, it's ours. <laughs> Cats will take it. I'll absolutely take 35 in the first and 40 in the second half. So, I mean, it's a rare second half improvement down the stretch for the Cats. <laughs> Although we did get some help from TCU being incapable of making their free throws down the stretch. Granted, we weren't doing very well with them either in the late stages, but TCU was really struggling down the line uh, in that regard. But, you know what? That's two Cats dubs in a row, including a road Big 12 game. As and, you know, thinking back to last year, this... Uh, the road game against TCU, that was an eight-point win for K-State when it really just seemed rough. Like, after, like, a 13-14 game losing streak or whatever, yeah. whatever it was. Whatever it was. And, you know, this that was a game that really put K-State on track, was being able to uh, get that road win down in Fort Worth at a very not easy place to play against a quality TCU opponent. So... Man, we were, we were really excited. What could the future possibly... Oh. Yeah, what, what what will happen to the Cats in the next game? Well, well, it's Baylor. And it's Baylor. Uh, I regret to inform all of you that we lost to Baylor 75-60. to 60, And even though that, that, that seems like a pretty, pretty bad score, you know, for the Cats, yeah. I guarantee you the game was worse than the score indicates. Yeah. This was a game that really got out of control in the second half. Uh, After being tied in the first half. Yeah, it was tied at halftime, and that was with a Baylor run to end the first half as well. Um, Which, that, that's yeah. kind of when we should have known. <laughs> yeah, I will preface this with saying that the refs were awful. Like, Oh, God. Like, there was a hilarious amount of travels that weren't called and just generally... General roll travels. Yeah, there was like the one pass that Baylor threw out of bounds that definitely was deflected by us that they just said yeah they whatever just let it play. yeah it was like i'll take it but also you're very wrong yeah like you guys might be stupid yeah. but this was a rough game to watch because this is one of those games where i mean if you have an, a post player that's playing at an average level 
you have a very, very good chance of upsetting a highly ranked team. But... Well, we nay, don't have that. <laughs> but nay. <laughs> However, no. <laughs> we do have a Nigel Pack, and that's why this is going to be a frustrating game to talk about. Because Nigel Pack, he dropped 31 points, 10 of 19 from the field, 4 of 9 from 3, 7 of 10 at the free throw line, and had 3 rebounds, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, a foul, 3 steals. Mark Smith, he had 17 points, 8 rebounds, so got close to another double-double. 7 of 13 from the field, 1 of 3 from 3, made both his free throws, 3 fouls. One assist, four turnovers. After that, it's really rough. Yeah, after that, no one. There's literally no one else on the team worth noting. Yeah, I, I mean, we're going to... Well, no, none for a good reason. Yeah, we're going to do it anyways, but you're not going to like it. No. Yeah, because, I mean, you go through uh, the rest... God, of the, I just looked at who the second leading scorer is. Yeah, the rest of the team, and, I mean, because you have Nigel having a phenomenal game. 31 points, just simply dominating uh, the, the score sheet. But and he was pushing pack. <laughs> he, he was. He was pushing pack. Like he, he has that name for a reason. Mark, Mark Smith, he had a solid day, too. He was driving to the bucket and making those contested layups at the beginning of the season he was not making. So Mark Smith has taken a marked improvement from... <laughs> Is it just puns this episode? It's just puns. Did we just decide that this was the pun episode? We're pushing puns on this episode. Okay, dude. <laughs> okay, dude. <laughs> but, but, you know what? Other than Nigel and Mark, you get 12 points combined from the rest of the roster. Because you get four from Kasubki, who... The granted, second leading scorer. Yeah, who had four points. Like, well, he's the third leading part third, of Nigel and third. Mark. But, I mean, we'll, we'll just make them a singular entity. For, for these purposes and for the narrative <laughs> yeah kasubki yeah he granted he did have two really nice layups especially his one in the first half uh, on the fast break where last year's kasubki i think just gets absolutely swatted into oblivion yeah on that play because he goes for the dunk and he can't do it but this time he puts the ball up and then like brings it all the way back, and then puts it back up. It looked like he was going to go for the dunk, but then he realized, like, wait a minute. Yeah. Wait. And I think that's because last year at Baylor, he, in the exact same situation, got completely swatted. <laughs> and he learned, and this year he made an adjustment. So, hey, I'm learning. Kasuki is improving. That's a silver lining, I guess. The silver lining. The bad news is that everyone no else, else got is. worse. <laughs> Mike McGurl had a atrocious game he's had some duds this season this may have been his worst performance unfortunately oh we had a couple of worst performances today yeah. um mike he had three points one of three from the field of one from three one of five from the free throw line four rebounds four fouls no assists four turnovers including an absolutely mind-numbing error 404 no connection <laughs> detected <laughs> Wi-Fi down, out-of-cell data moment where... Windows shut down noise. Yeah, he just held the ball and didn't dribble, which is despicable because in college basketball, they've changed the close guarding rule where you just have to dribble. It's If you just hold the ball, that's the five-second call. If he just takes a single dribble then that's irrelevant. Like, the clock on that resets. But instead, he just stood there for probably seven seconds. The ref gave him a cushion. The ref gave him a cushion. And he just got one of the worst turnovers I've seen all season from this K-State team. Man, fifth year, 
from like an 87th year senior. Yeah. I mean, and that was rough, which granted, Mike, when it rains for Mike, it, it is pours. absolutely pouring. It is a tsunami. Yeah. So when it, it just gets bad and it gets worse for Mike, when he's on, he's on, but you know, it's, it's, it's very hot and cold. But he had a very rough game, didn't do a lot well. The only thing that he did do particularly well was he had a really nice and one. I'll give him that. Yeah. Uh, he had that and one early in the game, drove to the bucket, and made a really tough layup while getting fouled and falling, and then landed on his hand. Maybe part of the reason for his rough performance, because he did look like he kind of got hurt after that. He converted the and one and then kind of didn't do anything the rest of the game. Not kind of. He literally didn't. Yeah. He literally Reba- didn't re- score. Rebounds, and that's Rebound. it. That's it. He's smart. And then so that's three of the starters. The remaining two are Davion Bradford and Marquise Noel. They combined for one point, and you're not going to believe who it came from. <laughs> it wasn't Marquise. I didn't. Davion, he had a very rough game. He did have two blocks, and he went one and two from the free throw line, 0 of three from the field, so he had that one point. Had three rebounds, two fouls, one assist, no turnovers. But that doesn't really speak to the game that he had, because there were there were just a lot of really rough moments for Davion in this game. You know, missing easy plays, getting swatted by players shorter than him. I mean, he's seven feet tall and he plays like he's like six five, and it's it's really frustrating. Yeah, and just. We'll cover all of the bigs at the end of this. How about yeah. that? Because that's, that's kind of its own topic. Yeah. Marquise Noel, he finishes with no points. He had the yeah. bad mark. It's Jekyll and Hyde. Yeah. We got, we unfortunately got Jekyll. Yeah. He only played 20 minutes in this game because he was in foul trouble pretty much the entire game. He was 06 from the field, missed his lone three-point attempt, had two rebounds, four fouls, three assists, three turnovers, and two steals. Uh, and the foul situation was really rough because he got that he got two fouls in the first half, and then he came back in uh, at the beginning of the second half and got two fouls in like 30 seconds because he fouled a Baylor player and then went right down the floor and... Uh, drew a charge, or he uh, uh, caused a charge, that is. And so that's a give it right back to Baylor. All of a sudden, with 17 minutes to go, your uh, best ball handler has four fouls, and that is not conducive to offensive success. <laughs> no. So a really, really, really rough day for Marquise Noel. Kasubki, we already did talk about his four points. He had to the two layups, 0-3 from three, two rebounds, a foul, and an assist. He had a very pedestrian stat line. Uh, mm. Didn't do much bad. Didn't do a ton that was good other than some nice layups. But you know, I'm not going to sit here and actively complain about Lucas Subki. Mm. Especially when we have... We got uh, bigger yeah, fish to fry. Yeah, we have, And plus we have Nigel and Mark that play his relative position and are good. Yeah. So the, the reason that we have fish to fry with the bigs is because none of them are playing well right now. Uh, Carlton Lingard, he had 10 minutes, missed his field goal attempt, was 2-2 at the free throw line, and had had a block. And this, I'm not going to say it was the most frustrating play of the game. That probably belongs to, oh, didn't Davion just swat the ball out of bounds? Davion did, he had two frustrating rebounding plays, because he had one where he had an 
a easy rebound and he took the ball and just kind of spiked it yeah. at the ground out of bounds when he could have just grabbed it because nobody else went for it and it was really bad yeah and then he also had one where he like went up for a defensive rebound and it hit him right in the hands and it just bounced out of them and then he just kind of hit it because he got frustrated and, and then he hit it right to a Baylor yeah player. he hit it right to a Baylor player I think like and then like he did get a block at one point. It was like one of his few really good plays. Like he had a nice block on either Thamba or uh, Chamo Chachua. It was flow. I think it was. I think it was flow because Chamo Chachua went like nine of ten from the field. Um, so Thamba, I think he blocks him, and then the ball just like flies out to the perimeter, and they make a three. So it's like, why just let them take the two? <laughs> yeah. The what were you gonna say about Carlton? Carlton had the play, granted it was like with 40 seconds left. It, this was the play where you and I looked at each other and said, there's nothing for us here, there's nothing else we can say, we just left. Because yeah. he just let the ball, like on a rebound, he just let the ball go off his hands and made like no effort to try and pick it up. And we said, alright, if you're not going to try, we're not either, let's leave. Yeah. <laughs> Which like, the game's lost yeah. at that point, but yeah. for for a team that's, motto this year has been this never say die attitude that was kind of a moment where it, we, said we die. died yeah we said die <laughs> yeah carlton uh he had probably the the best day of all the bigs. yeah yeah i think he had the best day of all the bigs which is unfortunate because he had two points and didn't really do anything else uh he was defensively not great because he's just not a good defender never has been. and he doesn't have the mass really to be that interior guy that we need Davion is honest. He's honestly the only person on the roster that can play interior defense, but even then, he just offensively has had one of the biggest regressions that I've ever seen from a K State basketball player. I don't think I can compare it to anything. And Casey Ziegu, he comes in, he plays six minutes. Uh, he dunked. He had a wide open dunk. Uh, Mark, oh God! Yeah, Mark Smith. He like uh, just gave it to him, and he had like an easy dunk for two points and a rebound and he had a foul and that was it like because i mean casey on defense he no <laughs> I, I think he gave up points i think on like three straight possessions just from over helping uh not getting back on his screens and just in general playing really really bad defense and i mean he's he's unplayable honestly at this point in the season because it's clear that he has not recovered from the leg injury the way that we thought he has. He's not dealing with the brace as well as Aoka Lee is on the women's team. And robo leg. Robo leg. The bionic leg. But, I mean, KC is effectively playing on a single leg at this point, And he already wasn't... A the, very good defender. Yeah, he already wasn't the best. He was an alright shot blocker, but he wasn't great at staying in front of people. I just didn't have a lateral movement for it. But... You know, like, this leg injury's really exposed him defensively. And at this point, all he's good for, really, is wide-open dunks and easy blocks. Um, no, that's no pun intended. Um, that's, God! <laughs> uh, uh, that, that, keep getting away with it! That was an accident. Yeah. That was an accident. That, yeah. But, and then Ishmasudi played 13 minutes, uh, missed all of his shots, had two rebounds, two fouls, and a turnover a uh, pretty abysmal stat line from Ish, who has really fallen from grace here recently, because uh, he had an all right start to 
uh, to the season, and he he's really just not been good recently, which is unfortunate. But and now we can talk about the big problem. So, but um, pun again. So that one was also unintentional. We might be stupid. <laughs> We're calling this episode "Push and Puns." Can you actually put that on the, on the notepad there? <laughs> um, but all of our bigs have fallen off the face of the earth, and Ish was one of the the, the most the one that hurts me the most is Ish because I thought Ish still has a beautiful shot. He does, but it just never goes in. Yeah, Davion. Okay, someone in our section made the Davion to Will Howard comparison. Do you remember the exact words I said to you? Uh, yes. I, I will slightly change what I said, but I said something to the effect of those are the type of people who substitute milk in their cereal with glue. Yeah. <laughs> they, I, like, Will Howard's better, but still, I, Davion is having a... Okay, I just don't want to talk about the people in a second. Yeah. Actually, now that I think about no, it, but they—they no. they were all a little stupid. But they might be. Davion, stupid. he has the unfortunate distinction of being the one playable big. Sorry, that's okay. But he, uh, right now, Bruce is essentially doing the math and seeing none of his bigs are an offensive threat, and that's a fact. And he's looking basically at who's the best defender. And the answer is Davion. And honestly, probably followed by Carlton. Not even easy at this point. And then Ish, who kind of doesn't really play their position, but it's the small ball five. But even then, he's just been inept offensively recently. Davion, he is unfortunately the sacrificial lamb for the bigs because he is the only one that's legitimately playable. And even then, he is a massive liability offensively because whatever semblance of offense he had gained last year and it looked like quite a bit because he was averaging eight points and four rebounds a game in big 12 play and he is nowhere even close to those numbers this season it's far below that uh, one of the worst single season regressions i've ever seen but the only reason davion's playing right now is because he has a semblance of post defense and Easy does not have that by any stretch of the imagination. And Carlton is below average to not good, but is better than Easy in the post. And that he still has two functional legs. Yeah. Which, I mean, that's not fair to Easy. It truly isn't. It, but it's, but unfortunately, yeah. it's the truth. Unfortunately, it's the truth. Easy, he... There, I know there were a lot of questions floating around when we took him about his ability to play at the Power 5 level. And I think a lot of that has just been magnified by the fact that he is just not healthy. And even if his leg is technically playable, he's not at a point where it seems like he's comfortable enough to play with that injury. So at this point, honestly, I think it would be better to whenever Logan Landers is healthy again, because I believe he is injured, whenever Logan is healthy, to just shut Easy down for the rest of the season and just get to work on PT with his leg and just get him comfortable moving again. Yeah. Because right now he just doesn't seem very comfortable moving. So, and then just give his minutes to Carlton and then split 
Davion and Carlton about 15 minutes apiece and start on based on matchup. Yeah. I And that's not necessarily an answer to the bigs issue because I don't think there is one. Because I don't Other think... Than just finding another big somewhere. Yeah, because I, I just don't think there's a Big 12 starting center on this roster right now with the, at least the talent that they've been displaying. Which, last year's Davion is absolutely a Big 12 starter. Yeah. But for whatever reason, this year's Davion is not... I will say I do feel bad for him because oh, the I think the student section is a little too hard on him. Like... I think it's trashy to boo your own players. Yeah, and it happened multiple times. Yeah. Which... And, and and then also the opposite of cheering when he comes out, which, like, I get it. He's not playing very well, but... At least that one you can pretend you're cheering the guy coming in. But, yeah, like... That's honestly almost as bad. <laughs> yeah, but I... Listen, I... We obviously always root for people to succeed. Yeah. And we're the first people to try and defend people when they're... Oh god, that sounds harsh, but it's kind of true when they're worth defending. Yeah. Davion right now, does he deserve the fan base's ire in that he deserves to be booed by them? No. Does he deserve to have numerous questions th- like question marks about his game? Yeah. Yes. But that I we can spend an entire another like 30 minutes on the bigs, but let's let's not. <laughs> let's Yeah. I don't yeah, I don't feel like going to like endless soliloquies and monologues about Davion and Carlton and Casey when at the end of the day none of them are playing well. And it's been that way for quite a while. I don't remember the last time we had a player taller than six five score double figures. Which is a great question. I feel it was like. probably Ish. Why did it have been it probably ish this year? I think it was Or maybe Casey. Because Casey had a stretch where he was, like, scoring reasonably well. I think it was Ish. It's probably Ish, but... I, I, I truly think it's Ish, and it's only because he is almost exclusively offensive threat. And also because I don't think Davion has scored more than 10 points in a game this season. Um, Ish did have 13 at West Virginia on January okay. 8th. Lingard has not come close. No. I do know that. Davion, uh, he did have seven against Oklahoma State. Mm. But other than that, I don't know if he's eclipsed 10 points on the season. No, but yeah, the, so the bigs aren't doing well. But nevertheless, if you want to, I, I still really want to support this team, even if it is sometimes tough to watch. The next time they play is Valentine's Day. The day after the Super Bowl in Manhattan against West Virginia. Very winnable game. I will certainly be there because I have nothing better to do on Valentine's Day. Some people do. I'm not one of them. <laughs> uh, Davion had nine against Marquette. Oh. That's his season high. So Wait, no, close. he also had nine against Nebraska. Oh, so close. So, yeah, he, he was very close. I'm going to check out Casey's game log now. Yeah, it... Next game is West Virginia, followed by Iowa State in Ames. Uh, it's Iowa State in Ames and then West Virginia. Okay. Because Iowa State in Ames is a Saturday. Okay. But uh, Wichita State, Casey had 14, and he had 15 against North Dakota. Granted, everybody on the face of the earth played well against North Dakota. That's true. <laughs> yeah. We pick our games weirdly. Yeah. So, And I think 
it's those two games for Casey, and then a handful of games for Ish. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven games and double figures for Ish, but he hasn't done that since January eighth. So it's been a little over a month. Yeah, a little over a month. So he's he's died. <laughs> he's gone. Yeah. So. That was a fun little bit of research that just made me sad. <laughs> women's Catsketball. Yep. Let's, let's move on. Yeah, let's move on to the women's Catsketball team, who we will also kind of try to speed through, and we will go... It's going to be over an hour ten. Let's yeah. just accept that. But the next game was against TCU in Bramlage Coliseum, and this was the game. We were at this game. Yep. And it was. it was a victory in favor of your women's basketball team, 63-54. And this was actually a really fun game. Yeah, this was. Now, this is a game that TCU, they came out, uh, as I recall, this game started with a lot of K-State points. And then TCU, it's like they delayed starting the game, it mm-hmm. felt like, if I recall it correctly. And then yeah. they went on a run, actually led at the end of the first quarter. Then... This essentially became a game of runs, but K-State had one that was just long enough in the second quarter. And then they were able to, for the rest of the game, when TC would have a quick run, they would respond with one of their own. Yeah. But K-State does end up winning this game, uh, 63-54, to and they're able to hold off the Horned Frogs. And this is a game where Aoka Lee was actually injured briefly. Uh, and this was the game where they cheered it. I remember this game, and they refused to shake hands afterwards. Yeah, TCU, they were they were being some bums in this game, I'm not going to lie. Poverty program, poverty program, poverty yeah, program. They they were being awful. Uh, one of their players, like, throws Aoka Lee to the ground, like, hard. Because we were sitting near the top. And we heard it. Yeah, we heard it because it, it echoed. It smack. Yeah, it, it, like, echoed in Bramlage it, during an active basketball game where there were over 5,000 people there. So, you know, it was a loud smack. And she was down for about a minute after it happened. And she went off to the sideline, went through concussion protocol, and then came back and dropped 21 points. And she went 8 of 18 from the field for Aoka Lee, 7 rebounds, 2 fouls, uh, 1 assist, 1 turnover, uh, went 5 of 5 from the free throw line. So not her greatest game by any stretch of the imagination, but when you put into context that she was literally like thrown down. like Yeah, she entered the WWE match for a minute. Yeah, and she, she did not look like she was doing well. And she uh, ends up coming back and performs fairly well, all things considered. And uh, definitely not her most efficient shooting day either, but you know we'll, we'll take it, all things considered. Other starters... Uh, Briley Glenn and Jalen Glenn, they had 12 points and 11 points respectively, although neither of them were super efficient from the field. Briley, 2 of 7 from the field, 2 of 4 from 3, but she did make 6 free throws. And she had 3 rebounds, 2 fouls, 2 turnovers, 2 steals. Jalen had 3 of 9 from the field, 3 of 7 from 3, made 2 free throws out of 2 attempts, 1 rebound, 3 fouls, 2 assists, 2 turnovers, 1 block, and 3 steals. So really stuffed the stat sheet there. Emily Ebert had eight points, three of eight from the field, oh, two from three, two of three from the free throw line, four rebounds, one assist, two turnovers, three steals. Again, a lot of steals from those guards. And Serena Sundell, she had a really interesting game where she only had three points, one of five from the field, one of four from three, 
but she did have eight assists to just three turnovers. She had a block, three rebounds, three fouls. And despite her struggling from the field, she was still uh, chosen. Her, her teammates had the confidence to get her the ball very late in the game when she made a dagger three mm-hmm. in the corner. Oh, that was beautiful. Right in front of the bench. Because she had been struggling shooting all day long. She was not shooting well at all. And she still had the confidence, and her teammates had the confidence in her to get her the ball late. Especially because it went to one of the Glenn twins. I think it was Jalen. And she was open on the wing. And she could have taken the shot, but she made the extra pass to a wide open Serena Sundell, who then drained the three with not a ton of time remaining. And was able to put the game out of reach for the Cats. Other players, uh, Dollinger at six points, two of five from the field, two of four from three, one rebound, one foul, zero assists, three turnovers and a steal. I don't know why the word foul was so hard. I was trying to remember the foul. I thought that's what you were struggling with. Because I don't remember her fouling. I I don't either. It was probably something random. So I'm good, Rich. She had two points, three rebounds, one foul, and that was it. One of four from the field. And Mackie, Jada Moore, and Taylor Lauterbach, they all registered minutes and did not have a single shot attempt. So no points for them either. Mackie uh, had a rebound. Jada Moore had two. Lauterbach had one. Uh, four assists, though, for Laura Mackey to just one turnover and a steal. Uh, Moore added two fouls, and then Lauterbach had a block. You mean Lauterbach? Lauterbach. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> this is the worst episode of Aggieblock. <laughs> no, it's not. That's true. Roger it's just won the MVP. Not good for him. But uh, the Cats didn't shoot super well from the field, but they did make their three-pointers count. Uh, they... Shot 35% from the field, 38% from three, 93.8% from the foul line. Just a single missed free throw. That was from Emily Ebert. Way to go. (laughs) Jeez. (laughs) Brutal. But, yeah, the Cats, you know, this was a game. This was a very ugly game. But it was also an encouraging game because, you know, it told me that this team, if nothing else, does have a lot of talent. They may just not be able to win on the road. But when they're at home, even if they aren't necessarily playing the best, they are going to play well, and they're going to out-athlete, if nothing else, the other team, which is rare for the uh, K-State team. For K-State team. Anywhere. Yeah, and it just showed that they're, they were able to use their talent to overcome a fairly solid day from an opponent. So, yeah. yeah. But unfortunately, our next game was on the road, and... We cannot win on the road. It it just can't happen. No. Unfortunately, this was one that we probably needed to pick up on the road. Yeah. Because it was against the Iowa State Cyclones, and we ended up falling in this game 70-55, to and by all accounts, not a fun game. Not at all. No. <laughs> Which is a common theme for away games, and there's one more away game we have to cover, and probably the worst game. This year. Yeah. But this was a strange game. Iowa State, um, they did shoot really well from the field, but they didn't score as much as you would think. They didn't get to the foul line as much as they normally do. They didn't have one person just come out. Yeah, Ashley Jones had a quiet night for her standards, although she still was very efficient from the field and made her mark. 
She only had 11 points for Iowa State. Um, Emily Ryan had 15. But, you know, it was tough sledding for the Cats. They only go 36% from the field, 25% from three, 60% from the free throw line. Riley Glenn finishes with 19 points, although she did get a lot of those in garbage time. So it's a little inflated, but she goes 7-12 from the field, 3-6 from three, four rebounds, one foul, two assists, two turnovers, two steals. Aoka Lee has not the best game for her standards. She what, what compels people to be loud on phone calls? <laughs> I don't know. I actually try to be quiet on phone calls. Yeah. <laughs> but Aoka Lee has 12 points, eight rebounds, two fouls, two assists, one turnover, three blocks on 6-16 six from the shooting on a single free throw attempt. I find it hard to believe she wasn't fouled in this game. Yeah. But, hmm. Yeah. Hmm. Home cooking, maybe. Yep. Jalen Glenn added seven points, three of ten from shooting, one of six from the three-point line, two rebounds, three fouls, one assist, one steal. Sundell added three points, a not-great shooting night for her, one of nine from the field, o of three from three, one of two from the free throw line, six rebounds, uh, two fouls, four assists, five turnovers, and a block. Ebert had one three-point basket, one of six from the field, one of four from three, two rebounds, two assists, one steal. Other than that, it was uh, scattered scoring from the Cats. Mackey had five. Simone Goodrich had four. Dollinger had two. Jada Moore and Taylor Lauterbach, they both played, but neither registered any points. Uh, Lauterbach actually registered no statistics at all. She only played two minutes uh, in this game. And then Goodrich, actually 2-2 two two from the field, and she had three assists to no turnovers with two rebounds. So solid stat line there from Goodrich. Uh, Dollinger. She had three fouls, one assist, and a steal to go with three rebounds. Jada Moore, uh, one assist, two turnovers, a block, three rebounds. But nobody's standing out for women's basketball here uh, other than Briley Glenn. And even then, like I said, she had a lot of points late in the game. Uh, the Cats, they shoot 50% from three, 61% from the field in the fourth quarter when they were already down by 20. So yeah, it only vaguely matters. Yeah. When you have a third quarter where Iowa State outscores you 24 to 8, I mean, you're really just burying yourself. So, but, yeah, tough sledding for the Wildcats. This was a game that I was really hoping that they would be able to get over the hump and win an away game, but inefficient offense on the road, another slow start, and just not being able to get a Yoka League going in a place that isn't Bramlage. So, on one hand, that is really frustrating because I mean you play half your games away in conference play. So I mean if you can't if you can't win away, you're not gonna have the best conference record. Because we've only lost one conference home game, right? And it was off that bank three in which both of us kind of wanted to just curl up into a ball and yeah. never talk to anyone ever again. Yeah, that's exactly what it was. And that was that was Iowa State and that was a game that was completely just blown by by the cats. But you know, tough sledding on the road, but I think they'll figure it out eventually. It's a really young team. Uh, I'm, I'm more excited about next year and, and this year. Next year's going to be nuts, dude. Yeah, I am very excited for the women's basketball team next year. But tough sledding for the women's basketball on the road. Yep. But they returned home to get a revenge against the previous opponent in the Texas Tech Red Raiders, a game we ended up winning. 82 to 75 and this was another 
it, it goes without saying, every single time we do one of these episodes, we get they get surprisingly, like, freakishly good road crowd. I mean, home crowds, which, good. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, this crowd, has, I would say that it was, it was probably more full than some of the men's games this year. Oh, yeah, that's easy. It was definitely more full. It was more full than, I'd say, all the men's non-conference games other than Marquette. Mm-hmm. And even a few of the Big 12 games. But... The crowds, they get bigger every single time. It seems like with the women's team, as more and more people are becoming aware of... That, like, wait a minute, that, they're good. <laughs> yeah, of the success that they're having. Because it had been a few years since they had truly been a force to be reckoned with. But the Cats, they do end up victorious 82-75 to over Texas Tech. This was another game where... Texas Tech, they had a lot of little runs to close the gap, and then the Cats would have to really coalesce and come together and figure it out and find a way to stop them and make their own run, and they did it because they were at home. (laughs) Yeah, because they're at home and they feed off the energy, even though Texas Tech had a... Had a player, I think it was Vivian Grade, and she, she dropped like nearly 40. She had a Nigel Pack day. Yeah, she had 36, 14 <laughs> of 19. Yeah, Vivian Gray, one of the best shooters in the conference. Uh, she had 36 points, but they're almost all mid-range jumpers, 14 and 19 from the field, just one of two from three, perfect from the free throw line. So she was absolutely excellent. She was the entire Texas Tech offense. Only one other player in double figures. That was uh, Shantae Embry, who had 11 points for them. But Vivian Gray was the show for them and was just absolutely phenomenal. She did get into foul trouble late, as all of Texas Tech did. Yeah, including their coach, which yeah. she ended up getting tacked. She Texas did. Tech. Yeah, she got a Texas Tech. So, <laughs> but yeah, because there was a timeout where um, I don't know how well they explained it on the broadcast, but there was a timeout where. Um, I forget exactly. Krista was going for the throat. <laughs> yeah, I forget exactly what the situation was, but something happened, and uh, Texas Tech's coach, uh, uh, Krista Gerlich, I think is her name. I know her first name's Krista because that's my mother's first name. Yeah, I think it's Gerlich because I'm pretty sure Bryn Gerlich is her daughter, okay. and she's on the team. So Krista Gerlich, I'm fairly certain her name is. Might be wrong. Who cares? Anywho, Who cares? no one asked. <laughs> But she was very, very upset with a foul call. Uh, I think she thought that somebody on K-State... I think it was Aoka Lee. She was upset because she thought Aoka Lee was fouling. Oh, her, she her, thought her, elbow. It was she elbowing. thought she threw an elbow. Yeah, and she kept th- she kept saying that it was an elbow that she was throwing. And well, she's just tall. That's exactly what the ref said. And he basically was like, look, Aoka Lee is just really tall. Your players are not as tall as her, like... She's just trying to position, like, get over it, basically. Yeah. And she just... Ref- Ballistic. Yeah, she just refused to stop talking after the ref did the whole stop. Hand, hand thing. Like, they literally do the talk to the hand. Like, that's, like, their protocol. And, and then she kept going, and then she finally said something, where the ref just said, okay. Like, <laughs> and, All right, you're done. And teed her up, and uh, then she... Out got a double technical. She got very close, I think, to getting a double technical, but she uh, ended up biting her tongue at least for a little while. On no, that. one of the assistant coaches pulled her away. Yeah, yeah and, and he went over and like chatted with the ref, and, like tried to like smooth things over, but I don't think it worked. It didn't work because Texas Tech had a lot of fouls down the stretch. 
And I think that was almost entirely... I mean, they had 25 fouls for the game compared to 18 for K-State. No, this, this, this was a really tight game. very foul game. Yeah. And it was especially the second half, as I recall, where there were just a lot the of whistles. Quarter. The third quarter was literally the refs try not to call a foul for 15 seconds game time challenge, and they were failing miserably. Yeah. It, it was a very, very slow game for a little while. But K-State, they do end up victorious. Aoka Lee, in 31 minutes, had 31 points, 12-15 from the field, 7-9 from the free throw line, 7 rebounds, 3 fouls, 1 assist, 2 turnovers, 3 blocks. Something that Jeff Mitty did during this game that I thought was really funny was after Chris Sergerlich got the technical foul for complaining about Aoka Lee, he put Aoka Lee out to shoot the technical free throws, and, yep. she, and she made both of them. And... <laughs> I thought that was really funny. You and I had a good laugh about that. Yeah, I, I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Because it, it, it objectively is. Yeah. Uh, Jalen Glenn had 16 points, uh, 6 of 8 from the field, 2 of 2 from 3, 2 of 2 from the free throw line. Excellent shooting day for Jalen Glenn. I believe had a freshman of the week uh, yeah. honor. And 5 rebounds, 2 assists, 1 turnover, 1 block, and 6 steals. Mm. Excellent, excellent day. Riley Glenn had 14 points, 6 of 11 from the field, 1 of 4 from 3, 1 of 3 from the free throw line, and then one rebound, unfortunately fouled out with 5 and fouls. And she looked like she, did, she didn't know the protocol. <laughs> like, she, she'd yeah. clearly never been fouled out before because she kind of looked around like, what do I do? Yeah, like, now what? <laughs> well, now what do I do? <laughs> and she had four assists, the two turnovers, and two steals. So really, really nice day. And Serena Sundell played all 40 minutes, had 12 points, one of seven from the field, one of two from three. You're asking how'd she get 12 points? She was nine of 10 from the free throw line and then had three rebounds, four fouls, seven assists, a two turnovers, and a block. So, really, really, really inefficient uh, from the field again for Serena Sundell. Uh, she did a lot of driving and got blocked a lot while she was driving. Yeah. At, least it, at least it felt like it or just like wasn't able to like, get it up as well. But she ended up with a good game. And this especially in the assist to turnover ratio department. And then Emily Ebert had three points, one of four from the field, didn't make any threes, one of two from the free throw line, two fouls, three assists, two turnovers, and a steal. And then you get to the bench. Mackey had four points. Simone Goodrich had two. Dollinger, Lauderbach, Jada Moore, they did not register any points. Dollinger, 0 of 4 from the field, 0 of 3 from 3. Had three fouls, three assists, two turnovers, a rebound. Waterbach had a foul and a turnover. Jada Moore registered no statistics. But this game was basically the Aoka Lee show with the Glenn Twins chiming in now and again and Sundell getting the ball to them, which has basically been the story of the season. Yeah. You go back and look at Texas Tech's shooting statistics, and it's remarkable that the Cats were able to do what they did in this like, game. How do we win this? Yeah, because <laughs> we're te- at home. <laughs> yeah, Texas Tech they shoot fifty five point eight percent from the field for the game. They shot fifty percent or better in every single quarter, which I have not seen in a while, or ever maybe. And they shoot forty one point seven percent from three, including sixty percent in the fourth quarter and eighty percent from the free throw line. That's Texas Tech statistics, by the way. Hmm. Ultimately, what harmed them the most was they didn't get the they some despite Vivian Gray having thirty six points they didn't get the, they didn't get her the ball enough and then it's like wow <laughs> yeah and they had twenty five points playing hack a shack with Aoka Lee and Serena Sundell and they, they also lost. Yeah, <laughs> and they had nineteen turnovers shout out to the Glenn twins for Jalen having six steals and Briley having two steals so I mean, nine steals as a team is incredible 
And K-State on the other end, they only had 14 turnovers. So, And they still did shoot fairly well. They shot 55% from the field, including 66% in the fourth quarter. Although they were only 30.8% from three. Some of that is because if you weren't named Jalen Glenn, you probably weren't shooting well from three this game. <laughs> Dollinger was 0 of three. Ebert was 0 of two. Bradley Glenn was 1 of four. But, and then they shot 78.6% from the free throw line. This was a very interesting game. It was very similar to the TCU game. That was a game of runs, and K-State just had one more run in them than Texas Tech did. They were able to fend them off, and they were also able to lock down defensively when they needed to. Yeah. But even then, they were still playing excellent defense on Vivian Gray, and she would just hit anything, it felt like. I mean, like when it meant, when she would miss, it was like a like sigh of relief as opposed to like okay, let's like go play offense. Like you take a second, like how'd that happen? Yeah, because <laughs> a lot of the shots she made were with a hand in her face, were like a step back, like impossible shot. Not many players are making shots like that. I mean, she's basically Nigel Pack. Yeah, like, basically. It was just yeah. different position, yeah. I the mean, exact yeah. opposite play yeah. style. Yeah, we should have known because she has the double shooting sleeves. So. Oh yeah. Because like, yeah, I mean, it's it's one thing to have a shooting sleeve on your shooting arm, but well, if you if you're if you have double, yeah. it's over. <laughs> yeah, the double shooting sleeves. You're either the, like an incredible shooter or the worst shooter on earth, and there's not really any in between. Like, because I've seen the Glenn twins do the double shooting sleeves occasionally. Yeah. I think it's one of them. They might actually do it more often. I think, but Vivian Grace, it was just very like noticeable because they're like red sleeves, so yeah. they're very bright. It's like oh, interesting, but. Yeah, so all, this, all in all, it was a pretty solid women's basketball victory, eighty-two to seventy-five. Yeah, we followed this up with, oh god, um, we don't. I don't want to spend much time on this because it's, it's. I don't either. Dude, we lost ninety to fifty-five. I would honestly just go over points. <laughs> that, that was generous. It's ninety-five to fifty. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Uh, this game, uh, Baylor. It was close after one quarter, 18 to 14 in favor of Baylor, and then they just went on a tear for two quarters where. And then Sundell was hurt. Yeah, for two straight. Uh, in the second and third quarters combined, which is a half of basketball, Baylor outscored us. Uh, what is that, 60 to 24? Yeah. In the second and third? Yeah. That's... Yeah, that'd be 60 to 24. Yeah. That's rough. Mathematics. <laughs> yeah, so this is the team we beat earlier in the season. They at home they didn't like that so we went on the road <laughs> and then died yeah so this is the baylor of old that we're used to they shot 50 baylor shot 57 percent from the field 58 percent from three including 83 percent in the second quarter from three like 68 <laughs> percent from the field that court i mean they were just Nuts. shooting out of their minds i mean they had two players break 20 they had two more with 19 i mean Someone, oh my god, 19.16 boards. I mean, literally had the Mark Smith stat line, except there were other good players. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah, it was a rough, rough, rough day. This was the same day as the K-State men's basketball lost to Baylor. Oh yeah, this, and, this, and, this day sucked. Yeah, and also both of those Baylor teams were ranked 10th. Really strange. Um, I think 10th and 11th because they in uh Ken or um net rankings they're both ranked 11th as well. Oh, really? I think. Oh, that's strange. I know they're both ranked 10 in AP for sure. Yeah. But uh, we'll go over the stats. Riley Glenn had 10 points, two rebounds, three fouls, one block, three steals, four of nine from the field, didn't make her three-point attempt, two of two at the free throw line, 
only Wildcat in double figures. Aoka Lee didn't even make it to double figures at eight points, three of eight from the field, two of three from the free throw line, six rebounds, three fouls, an assist, two turnovers, three blocks. She got like two of those in the first like three minutes. <laughs> the yeah. fouls. Yeah, the fouls. Yeah, she got into foul trouble really quick. She ended up only playing 20 minutes in this game as well. That's just, not a winning formula. <laughs> no, just because of foul trouble. And I also think Jeff Mitty probably benched her in the uh, final quarter because it just wasn't worth it. Yeah. And uh, Emily Ebert played 23 minutes, six points, two seven from the field, made two threes, one rebound, two turnovers, a steal. Jalen Glenn, 28 minutes, had three points, one of seven from the field, one of five from three, missed both her free throws, four rebounds, two assists, no turnovers, a foul. Serena Sundell, she had a foul, and that was it because she hurt her ankle really early in this game. Again, we weren't able to watch this game because we were at the men's game, mm-hmm. and we checked the score, and we were down by like a million, so we didn't want to sit there and watch it because that... Because we had another game where we were down a million. Yeah, yeah, we had an, another game that was a lot close, or it was relatively closer, at least at halftime, and this game was out of hand by then. Simone Goodrich had nine points, three of eight from the field, three of five at the free throw line. Like 27 minutes... To fill in for Sundell. And then had two rebounds, one foul, two assists, three turnovers. Jada Moore, five points, two of four from the field of one from three, one of two at the free throw line, four fouls, three assists, one turnover, one steal, two rebounds. Bollinger, four points, and two turnovers. Mackey, three points, three turnovers, a rebound. And Taylor Lauterbach had two points on one of seven shooting, missed a three, four rebounds, and three fouls. And a steal. That's rough. Cats, they shot 32.7% from the field, 21% from three, 61.1% from the the free throw line, that is. And there's not a lot to say about this game other than pain. It sucked. Yeah. I will say at least we were able to split the series with Baylor this year. I mean... When you lose like 36 in a row to a team, just getting one win is a nice starting point. Yeah. Is what I'll say. Yeah. And Baylor's always going to be an incredible women's basketball team, even without uh, Kim Mulkey. They may not be as dominant as they were, but they're still going to be a force to be reckoned with, as we learned. But I can barely stand it. So anyways. <laughs> yeah, your point guard getting hurt early in the game. <laughs> And is that a point of contention? <laughs> I I'm waiting for you to turn around and smack me. You're reaching. You're reaching, man. <laughs> You're reaching too hard for these. Aoka Lee only playing 20 minutes. You know, it, it just makes for it's not a winning formula. I mean, no. especially when you have a point guard playing that has, I don't think it ever attempted a three in her life. I mean, that that makes it difficult. Uh, to really succeed. So, I mean, just a lot of things went wrong early in this game, and they were able to hang around for a quarter. Frankly, it's impressive they were able to do that. But even then, you know, losing by 45 points to a team that you beat at one point in this season is kind of embarrassing. And Yeah. And I, I even if it's Baylor, you know, this is still a good team, and there's athletes on this team. And, you know... I, I'm just very disappointed in how this game went. I mean, I didn't expect them to go down to Waco and win. No. Especially if you told me Sundell would get hurt and Lee would play 20 minutes. But I definitely didn't expect it to be a 45-point loss. That is what I will say. 
Yeah. But the women's catskiball team play... Oh, goodness. When do they play next? Um, I believe their next game is on Saturday. I'm assuming in Manhattan. Unless I'm wrong. That's a great question. We're professionals, I swear. No, it's not. It's at KU. Okay, so we're playing in Lawrence... Followed, so obviously support the women's basketball team. Watch them on ESPN+. But that pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats. If you want to reach out and contact the show, we are at Aggieville A Cats on Twitter. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. And if you want to follow us on a more personal note, I am at AceEdward00. I am at Connor Balthasar, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show in a financial sense, you can go to the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store where we have such designs as Neon Alley Cats and Play Sandstorm Cowards. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Or come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you say love. Stay safe, Alley Cats.